And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. If you haven't done so yet, check out my weekly email where I'm sharing actionable web and marketing tips, useful podcasts, free resources, and much, much more. You can try it out over at businessgrowth.email and start your Monday, start your week off with a bang. So today I'm joined by Kyle Lacey. Kyle is the SVP of marketing over at Seismic. He's written three books and he's a seasoned B2B tech marketer. Kyle, welcome to the show, sir. How are you doing? Ah, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. No worries, dude. Looking forward to it. So we're going to be chatting all around why marketers should be bonus when it comes to revenue, when it comes to pipeline and a whole bunch of other things. But let's not beat around the bush, sir. As we'd like to do, let's get stuck straight into the topic. What do you feel, Kyle, from 2022 and onwards, marketers really need to be responsible for right now? Yeah, I I think there's two main things. And the first thing is build brand authority. And I I think we need to dive a little bit into what it means to build a brand. Because when I say brand, I don't mean logo. I don't mean the website. I mean the culture of the company the customer base, um, as well as the community and the category creation, right? All that stuff kind of kind of blends together to form brand. The second thing, which I which I heard from a wise CMO named David, who's the CMO at Klarna, um, make it easier to buy the product. Okay. That's it. Like the two things for marketing, build a brand that's worth something, which includes culture, which includes internal teams and your customer base. And the second one is, is what we're going to talk about, which is just make it easier to buy the product and drive revenue. Love both those topics. Well, let's start from the top, sir. Let's let's talk about building brand authority. So as you say, I mean, we've had brand experts and everyone, I always feel that everyone's definition of brand is a bit different. So I'd be curious to know what your idea of brand authority means first and foremost. I mean, it's perception, right? But I think that we ignore some key stakeholders in that building of perception. And the right. two key ones are your internal team is number one, right? Okay. I, I think a lot of times marketers think about brand and they think about category creation, the customer base, and fail to realize that your your employee base has to believe in this identity before anybody else. Because if they don't, the customers sure as hell won't. And if the customers don't, the market won't, right? So Number one is your internal team. And, and, and also, you know, your best salespeople are your customers. And if they're not involved in the brand, then you're missing out. So I think it's the perception that people have of what you do and what your product does. And it's the community around that perception and, and, and making sure that as a marketer, you're driving a meaningful conversation there. Yeah. So starting with your own team, your staff, your employees. Yeah, they got to believe in it. They got to believe in the story. They got to believe in the mission and the vision and the values. And and um, there's way there's different ways to build that out. But if they yeah. if they don't believe in the identity, then you've got some problems. And and then you know, of course, then the other side of that from a great brand is creative, right? Like the identity mark, the logo, messaging, positioning. Uh, creating a great experience on the website, like all that stuff. Yeah. It's all yeah, part yeah. of the brand. Are there any, it's not something we've talked about that much, actually. Are there any good examples or any good ways that you've done with teams that you've worked with, Kyle, in terms of really getting internal employees, staff on on board when it comes to the brand itself? 
Yeah, I can give you two examples that I've experienced. One was that exact target, but this was back in 2012. Email marketing platform, we IPO'd, we were bought by Salesforce, but a lot of it was because of what was called an orange culture. Of course, right. the logo was orange. It was built. The key there, though, was it was built in the onboarding experience. Like you would, you spent a week with new employees and it was an orange onboarding experience. And because of that, you had a cohort of people that understood what it meant to join the company at a specific time. And you also understood what the values were for the company because they were built directly into the onboarding. The second example is Lessonly, which I was at before Seismic, where our CEO wrote a book called Do Better Work. The mission statement for Lessonly was we help people do better work so they can live better lives. He wrote a book about Do Better Work, and we handed that book to everyone, new employees. Every chapter was about a value that Lessonly had, and as well as our customer base. And what happened was, which is really interesting, is that prospects of big companies would ask our CEO to go speak about doing better work, and it had nothing to do with the product. But yeah. the conversation, you know, it's not like we didn't talk about the product after that, right? But it, so those are the two examples where most of it, you either, you either create content around who you are, or you build it in the onboarding process for new employees. Gotcha. Gotcha. So in terms of building up brand authority, um, in terms of kind of taking it, taking products, services to market, um, you mentioned things like category creation and all that good stuff. So perhaps we can get into some actual examples of either what you're doing as part of your teams or what you yeah. feel actually works right now when it comes to ramping up brand. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have a very, I have a love-hate relationship with category creation because I think too many people start category creation too early. You've got to find, you've got to have product market fit, number one. You've got to be generating revenue, number two. And you've got to have customers that really care about what you do. A lot of times businesses try to create a category too early because they want to form something and they have a FOMO of something, who knows? And it just doesn't work. I mean, great examples are gain sight with customer success, I'd also throw Seismic where I'm at now, where we pretty much created the sales enablement category a decade ago. And we have built that up steadily. And the key is, and, but at Lessonly, we failed miserably multiple times to create a category uh, because we lived in so many different parts of the org of, of our customer base. It was really hard for us to like hone down on a specific category that we needed to talk about. Like learning automation didn't work. Like training and coaching software didn't work. We finally landed on sales readiness and then we were acquired by Seismic. But it's very, you do not have to create a category to have a brand. I want to make that very, very clear. I think- It's not an I, easy thing, right? Is it? No, it's- Not it's, quick either. It's impossible. It's almost impossible to do. Like we, the people that you can call out, like ExactTarget with email marketing, Marketo with marketing automation, Gainsight with, with customer success, Seismic with enablement, it took a long time. And your customer base, just like the brand side of it and category is part of it, they have to believe in it. And, you know, Anthony Kanata uh, from Gainsight would say that you started seeing job titles change. When job titles change, where people become customer success, um, where you build customer success teams, when we see enablement as a job title go up, like that's when you that's when you've you've truly created a community around a category. But most of the time people can't do it and maybe you shouldn't. You can still win if you don't create a category. Sure. 
sure. And I, yeah, I agree with, with a lot of that. And I guess it also depends on the size of your organization, the budget you've got to ramp behind yeah, yeah. it and all these other factors in terms of what you can actually put into it from physical resources. Yeah. Um, Cause if you haven't got all those behind you, it's going to be a heck of an uphill struggle. So I like to do something a little bit different, Kyle. So perhaps we could walk through almost like, let's say, for example's sake, we're a B2B tech, maybe a B2B SaaS company. We're fairly new. We're going to market and we want to ramp up our brand authority game. We want to start to become known to our ideal clients for what we do. Is there like a step-by-step of the first few things that we should lay out I think it's a it's a, a lot of it's around content creation. I think okay. that you uh, telling your customer's story is probably the most important part. If you have product market fit, if you have a repeatable customer, you know, getting them on video, getting them to tell their story, getting them to share their own stories about how they use the product, I think it's the first step. Um, is that then, like testimonial and review videos and that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, it could be anything. Here? It could be it could be just what are they? What are their challenges? And it has, right. it, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the product that you're selling. It's like, what, what are you dealing with on a daily basis that, that your peer group could help with or whatever? Like it's, it's creating content. I think that it also has to do with building. I'm a huge proponent of just building search authority through organic and, and content Good, production has to be, that has to happen. But I think it's telling the customer story. That's the most important. And then the third thing is just being, uh, very, very mindful of the digital experience. Like our, you know, what, what is the journey that the prospect is having with your brand, with the website? Because if you, if you have a great piece of content out there and they watch it and they're like, wow, this is amazing. Love it. And they go to a free trial and the free trial errors out, or they go try to talk to a sales rep and the sales rep doesn't follow up for two days or whatever. You've, you, you have a break in the experience. And, and I say that I, I can say that because I've dealt with all of that before and we've screwed up before and we've had times where an SD, an inbound SDR hasn't reached out to somebody in like five days. Right. And, and th- those experiences mm. hurt the perception of what you do and you've got to be almost OCD about it. So that's kind of, th- those are the three, those are like content and then, and then like digital experience. Like it, like it. So just to drill down a bit more into each one, so customer story are we talking about are we talking about actually understanding i guess customer research to a certain extent whereby yeah. typical problems that people face when they use our product um yeah why they come to a vendor like ours those kind of things or is it something a bit different i don't even think it has to be that i think you can ask that but we're doing a great this is a great example sure the amount of work and time and energy for you to set up the show, to, to do all the scheduling, to do the editing, it's a lot of work. But the technology to put another individual on a screen to interview them, whether you're using StreamYard or you're using Zoom or whoever, Zencaster, whatever you want to use, yep. is really easy. And I don't think that we take advantage of it as marketers as much as we should. And I'm saying that to myself as, as, as well as everybody else. Like pick three customers and go put them on Zoom and record it. And see what you get. And it doesn't have to be talking about the product. I would actually caution that they, they don't have to talk about the product because who wants who wants to listen to them talking about the usage of the product? What people want to listen to is what pains they have. And whether your product, your product probably solves it, great, but you also don't need to do a video that's just a product pitch. Like yep. everybody does a product pitch. 
uh, it's not differentiated. Like we, you're always going to be in future wars. I do not care who you are. You cannot tell me that you have a different future than your competitive set, because guess what? They're going to build it in a week anyway. Right. So telling their story about their challenges on a day-to-day basis, talking through like how they deal with the, their, the challenges with their team or managing their payroll or whatever, that's good content. And I think that that helps kind of build authority for you as a company because people will come to you to hear that stuff. And it's just so like the barrier to entry on this stuff is not high. You and I both know this, right? So it's, it's really up to the marketer to kind of lead that. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So understanding pains, challenges, how they get the job done. Yeah, I guess yeah, how yeah. the product helps. They're, and then, they're not, they're not like a, Hey, you're not a talking billboard for my brand. You're a human being that has a job and I'm trying to relieve some of the pain as a business. Got it. And then are we leveraging that content? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Whether that is streaming it like you're doing or whether it is uploading it to the website, whether you have a an email newsletter that you're doing or whatever, I think you leverage it as much as possible. But you got to walk into those conversations with them knowing that that's the agreement. You can turn it into a podcast. You can turn it into a blog post. Um, I think the most important part is that you have the conversation. That's the first step. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Getting those, getting those recorded and speaking to those customers. And was the second point, Kyle, was that actually leveraging the content? Or you mentioned organic search. I wasn't sure exactly what the it could be. It could be leveraging that content, but it's also just making sure that you think through the organic search component. I, I feel like we as marketers kind of shrug it off because we've been talking about organic search for a long time. But guess what? Most people still don't have any idea what they're doing, right? And it's just agree. such. It's such a um, it's such a powerful lever to pull to offset some of your other channels spend yep. that people just need to do it earlier and they're just not. Dude, I could talk about organic search for a good hour or so with you. I mean, <laughs> that's prim- about as far that's about as far as my knowledge goes. I, uh, there's, there's, there's <laughs> Primarily because people. we sell it and yeah, we yeah. do it all the day, but. Chili Piper is the most advanced routing and scheduling software for B2B revenue teams. Its product helps demand generation teams convert more leads into attended meetings, sales teams book more demos faster, and customer success teams to delight their customers. Companies like Shopify, Forrester, Spotify, and Gong use Chili Piper to double their inbound conversion rates, eliminate manual lead routing, and streamline critical processes for meetings. Book your free tailored demo today at chilipiper.com. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I-P-E-R.com. Are you tired of competitors stealing your traffic, leads, and sales all because they're higher on Google? Maybe you're investing in paid ads but want to enjoy the benefits of organic SEO, meaning free traffic and inbound customers and not having to pay Google for every single click. Or perhaps you're running SEO and ads, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Any of this sound familiar? Let the team at WebChoice fix that for you. Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. So 
I don't know if you're seeing the same, but something that pisses me off a bit right now, especially, is on LinkedIn, every man and his dog is talking about demand, demand generation. They're talking about dark social as if it's the be-all, end-all. No one's talking about capturing existing demand right. through paid search or organic search. It's like that disappeared. It's like, dude, people still Google stuff. If people aren't familiar with your brand, they're going to search it on Google. Well, I also, people talked about Clubhouse for six months too. So <laughs> I, look, I, I couldn't tell you what dark social is. I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of feel bad even saying that. I, you know, there's people smarter than me that are trying to figure it out. But honestly, for me, it is what channels are the most efficient to drive revenue. Mm-hmm. And you know what, you can test some, but I, uh, there, there, it's a very clear goal in my opinion. And organic is the, it's going to continue. It will continue to be a driver. It will. I don't, I mean, the death of organic search is not going to happen anytime soon. We had people saying that email marketing was going to die in 2010. And we were all like, what are you? And now we have, <laughs> now everybody has a newsletter. Like it's 20, it's 12 years later. Yeah. It's not going to, it's not going to die. How much of a percentage of marketing efforts do you think should be placed on organic search as opposed to other channels like do you have like a split kyle that you say like if you're going to market you should do x percentage this x percentage that depends on where you're at i mean it let's let's maybe say a startup level startup level i think it should be you mean are you talking budget resources what's the yeah i mean it's a bit of a vague question i appreciate that but let's say you're a startup maybe you had i don't know quite a slim maybe you had 10 grand a month to that you could spend on marketing I think half, you reckon? Yeah, I think, I think your first hire should to potentially be a content marker. Yeah. Um, I just saw at, at Lessonly, and we were very lucky that a man named uh, Mitch Kazi was the first marketing person there. And he built the organic search 10 years ago. Right. And up until the acquisition, organic was 30, 40% of our total inbound pipe. And that that is cheap. That's cheap. And guess what? The conversion rates are ungodly good because people are searching for it. Right. And you definitely have to differentiate your channel spend. But man, like if you do content correctly and he's he's since gone and started a, a, a company, a software that kind of helps manage that. But it's uh, it, it is such a driver of great of great traffic and, and revenue. Yeah, I can I completely agree. And where would you place the remainder could be. It really depends, man. I, I, you could invest it in, in community. You could invest it in, um, paid, you could invest it in, uh, another content marketer. <laughs> I mean, you get content marketing is not just organic search. You're talking about, depending on your sales model, you've got content you need to produce for the sales team. You've got content you need to produce for the CS team. It's depending, depending on the scope of what you have to do. Content's kind of, I mean, it is one of the more important things if, if you, it, but it really depends on where you're at and your growth. Sure. Sure. Let's talk about a bit of the, um, the third point. It's a digital experience. I mean, I'm, I'm chatting on here on the solo episodes about websites all the time. And you mentioned things like making it easy for people to book a demo and making sure yeah. that leads get handed off to sales so they can respond to them super quick. So customers aren't waiting and going to a competitor. Um, when you say digital experience, Kyle, what are some of the things you really want to drill home when when it ensures that your digital experience is top tier and it's actually converting and, and driving leads and revenue? Page load speed, number one, as it relates to organic search. You and I Indeed. both know that. Since like, Cool Web Vitals, yeah. Yep. 
if you Google thinks you're slow, they're gonna they're not gonna rank you very high. I'll just dumb it down to that. Um, I think um, so. Number one is is page load speed. Number two is just mobile. Like, can you read your damn site on a mobile phone? Sure. Uh, the third one is um, which I think is it, it, having the right communication channels for what people want to do, like a chat function as well as a, as a landing page function. Um, if you have a free trial, spending a ton of time making sure that that is very, very easy to use. Okay. Um, and then the third thing is just make it fun. Like most sites, most websites are just boring as hell. Mm. Like put some, put some creativity into it. That's why content's so important. Like having copy that is, that is enjoyable to read and, and, that's why I, I always prefer to look at like more of the B, B to C or D to C type companies where they've spent time fully understanding like how to make the experience enjoyable. And most B2B marketers, it's just hard. It's hard to do because this, most, most products are complex and it's yep. just really hard to kind of have that discussion. Yeah, yeah. Our, um, I think I agree with that. I mean, I, I think B2B companies could learn a lot from B2C, namely because a lot of B2B, especially in the tech world, companies are firstly scared to show pricing. So they think, oh no, if we show our pricing, we're going to get tons less leads. Good. The leads will be more qualified if they know what your starting rates are. Um, Whereas B2C are like, what the fuck, people are just going to buy online. So yes, we're going to have our prices. Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, you know, I think that we're right kind of, we're right in like a renaissance of a lot of those, um, discussions because product-led growth mm. and a lot of new like usage-based pricing models like yeah. there's just a lot of stuff happening that's really interesting in terms of just changing the traditional sales model uh that we've experienced in software for a long time what are your thoughts so you you raised something interesting that i talk about a lot is making it easy for buyers on your website to get in touch on their channel of choice so you mentioned like having chatbots a demo etc yeah a lot of people i hear um and a lot of sites do it just stick people straight to calendar whether that's calendly chili pipe or something like that if you want to request a demo mm-hmm. um do you think that is the way forward or do you think you should give people choice or what are your where give do you people start? a choice give people a choice i i mean at lessonly we had um we are just now looking at it for seismic but at lessonly we had like book account but you know click to book a meeting with an ae but it depends if you have five account executives, then yeah, do a calendar, like allow people to book meetings on your AE's calendar. If you have 500 yeah. reps, it's a little bit different in terms of just scale. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It just means you need to be very mindful of the fact that you have 500 people that all have calendars, half of them, pro- like it, it's just, it's really depending on, but I, I think you should give somebody the ability to, to, to get in touch with you in the way they want and make that experience enjoyable as much as you can. Yeah. I like that. Is there any, um, any big no, no's that you've seen any, anywhere areas that companies seriously fall short of time. And again, when you go on their sites, you don't have to name names, but I just want no, to know. No, no. I, so one of the biggest ones, in my opinion, this is all the SMB, uh, owners out there, small business owners out there, your, your phone number should be clickable on your site. Okay, that so I see that way too often where it's just the phone number and you got to figure out how to copy and paste it using your thumb on your iPhone, right? It just click to call. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the second one is um, making sure that the 
the demo page or experience is okay on mobile. And I'm, it's, it's very hard to do depending on what the scale you're at, but just simplify what you're asking for. My favorite example, which is, you know, I don't know what they're doing on the back end is uh, gong where you just put in your email. Oh, nice. Like, that's it. You just put in your email and I'm sure they have some scientists doing lead scoring on the back end for all this stuff where, you know, you're not, you're not inundating an yeah, yeah, yeah. with just a bunch of MQLs, but, um, but I, I, I trying to simplify that as much as possible, but, but doing it in a way that's meaningful. So you're not screwing your sales team over either. Interesting. Is gongs like you just put your email book a time on the calendar and then they just do the rest. Is that, is it that? No, I don't know. I, well, I, I have not signed up for a demo for gong. Uh, All I know enough. is that that's they, cool. they, you want to see it, put in your email, you just put in your email and you click go. Yeah, yeah. Just they might have a calendar on the back end. Yeah, yeah. Just taking that friction away as much, yeah. much as possible, I guess, and relieving yep. stress for for visitors. Interesting. Cool. So let let's get on to probably what I should have started with, but um, being a terrible presenter, I didn't really. So let's get to the topic itself. Why um, talking about why marketers should actually be responsible for for, for sales pipeline for driving revenue, um, and then why they should be bonused on it. So first and foremost, on that that front, Kyle marketers bonuses I thought that was only for sales reps I, I i don't know man i i think that all employees should be bonus that like some of their comps should be variable it's not not okay. a massive amount of it yeah but i think that it should be tied to a number now it could be the company-wide revenue number at lessonly we had half the team tied to the company-wide revenue number the rest of the team was tied to an inbound revenue number but i okay. but that the the details the tactical aspects of this i think is less important than the than the idea which is marketers should be tasked to driving pipeline or driving revenue bookings at as part of their purview because yep. when you do that you have the ability to have a seat at the table at the exec level or the board level because you're driving mm. revenue you have right. the ability to to ask for more budget because you're driving revenue. And we talked about the two most important things marketers should do at the beginning of this show, which is brand authority and making it easier to buy the product. The more you make it easier to buy the product and the revenue goes up and you source that, the easier it is for you to use funds to drive brand authority. Because if you're strictly about demand gen and growth, you're only going to thinking about what's the CAC to this channel. What should we invest in? Like what's driving the most leads? And you you tend to ignore the brand side of that, which is maybe you should be investing in the onboarding of employees, even though it's a talent function. Like that's, for me, it is, if you have a revenue or pipeline number as a marketer, you have the ability to spread the wealth of the brand across the entire company instead of just kind of half half-assing it because you're so worried about an influence number or some uh, some other way to try to justify what you're doing. Carl, where does marketing stop and when does sales begin? <laughs> I don't think marketing should stop. You know, I I was talking to somebody yesterday about the flywheel model and that's probably the best way to describe it. I I think it's hard for marketers to try to think that way, but guess what? At a certain point of your business, your customer is actually cheaper to upsell than getting new people. And if the mar- if marketing's not involved in the entire journey, then you're missing it. Because 
at, at a, you know, you, if you own a product, right. And you have a software company and at, at some point you want to add more product SKUs because then you can cross sell upsell into your, into your customer base and your net dollar retention goes up. If marketing, marketing is not thinking about that at all, you got a problem. So I don't think marketing should ever, ever, ever end. I think that they should be involved from start to finish. And I think they even should be involved in engagement metrics, MPS scores, everything on the back end of the customer support, customer success. And that's yeah. where if you own a revenue number, it's just easier to try to think more holistically as a marketing team. And when we say marketers need to be responsible for driving revenue, does that mean that they need to be responsible for generating the sales qualified leads that then go to the sales team that they yeah. close? Or is there a bit more to it? Or is it that simple? It depends, it depends on the business model. I, I, sure. think that, I think that marketing should have a percentage of ownership around total revenue, total pipe, right? Um, it really depends on if you're enterprise, if you have an enterprise sales motion or, or you're, you're more of a high velocity, because then mm -hmm. you can, you change the business model depending on what it is. But yeah, mar marketing should be sourcing leads that the, the sales sales can sell, but they should also be thinking about the entire journey because marketing should also be help be responsible for the generating of upsell, cross-sell, or may, make sure that a great brand, if you're, if you're actually uh, investing in it, rises everybody, right? So your retention rate should go up, churn should go down. I mean, I, I think that uh, I think it's a miss when marketing is only focused on top or middle of the funnel, and they're not thinking about in employee engagement as well. As a great, as another great example, um, yeah, it's too. You eventually, get siloed if you don't think holistically. Yeah, there's a lot to it, and cross selling and upselling is an interesting one. I think something that perhaps gets neglected. Yeah, um, and which do you is, think that which is hilarious to me because it's the cheapest thing you could possibly do. Definitely, definitely. And do you think that's more about marketing actually talking to sales about what customers actually care about when it comes to your product, what they often ask about, and what you think could be a useful suggestion, uh, whether that is on your site or somewhere else? I don't think it. I, honestly, it starts with product because you you know you need to build the product that you can upsell, or you need to buy the product that you can upsell, or you need to create the service that's an add-on, right? Hmm. Um, I think it starts with the exec team. I think it needs, I, I think product needs to fully understand what the customer base needs. And then it's about alignment across sales, marketing, customer success, account management, so that we are all moving in the same direction. Got it. And to clarify, I think you touched on it just now in terms of actually giving marketers a bonus. Are we saying that it's more a case of we have this company wide revenue targets, whether it is Q2? We need to hit this number. If mm -hmm. we hit it, then across the board, marketing are getting this percentage bonus. Simple depends. Depends on the team. Like at, at you know, if you have an if you have a really strong inbound revenue, like new bookings number, like at lessonly half of the deals closed in quarter. So it was really easy to forecast what an inbound team should do. So that inbound team, which focused basically on everything hitting the website. Yep. That inbound team was comped on that inbound revenue number. Now the brand team and the customer marketing team and the events team was comped on the company-wide revenue number because right. they were facilitating tons of things that touched all parts of the of the life cycle. Got it. So making it nice and clear who's re responsible yeah. for what. Yeah. Just so you have some skin like skin in the game and it's not necessarily the fact that it needs to be a variable, it's that you should own a number.
Like if you decide not to do a variable for your marketing team, fine, but they should be responsible for a pipeline or bookings number. Yeah, that's fair. So let's wrap up with making it easier to buy. And we might have touched on some of this on, on the website and digital experience side of things, but what are the key things we need to bear in mind, Carl, when it comes to making it easier for our buyers to actually buy our shit? Uh, talk to them on, on a at least talk to your customers. It's amazing to me how many marketers don't. And I've been, I've, I've done that. Um, because you, you have to fully understand why they buy it. And when you, when you transfer that knowledge to the site to make it easy to read, to make it enjoyable to read, to get to their pain point in a quick way, the experience will be that much more enjoyable. Um, the other thing is, uh, Make it as simple as possible for sales to talk to them, especially if you're in a sales-led motion. Product-led's a completely different conversation, but um, you know if they if they have to talk to like four people in order to get a demo, then you got a problem. And maybe maybe they don't need to talk to a person to get a demo. Maybe you put the demo on the website, right? So there's tons of different ways to do it, but I I think that ultimately it's it's the experience. We've kind of talked. I mean, we've touched on it the whole time. It's sure. it's it's got to be seamless. And if it's not seamless, you need to have ways to to fix it. I suppose, like you say, it all links back to talking about your customers, understanding why and how and where they like yeah. to buy. Yeah. And if they're telling you, look, we don't want to sit through a 20-minute demo with a sales rep. We'd rather just see a video on your website. And everyone's saying that, I guess, stick the damn video on your website, yeah. save yourself some time, yep. and uh, let people qualify themselves. So that that kind of key feedback i guess which kind of links to a bit of bio research a bit of yeah just don't be lazy yeah it's, it's mm. just it's, the technology that we have as a, as marketers as business owners it makes it too easy to do this so the fact that you have not put a video on your website then i would argue that you gotta you gotta think through why not because it's just if you're paying some i could talk about it this all day long but it, you know don't if you're paying some agency you know, $10,000 a month to update your website because you haven't moved over to like WordPress and you've got a bigger problem, right? There's plenty of companies doing that, I tell you. I know. I know. <laughs> cool, man. Well, yeah, Carl, really enjoyed the chat, man. Is there anything you want to you wanna wrap things up with on your end? No, I mean, I, I'm always open to discussions like this. So you can hit me up on LinkedIn or go to seismic.com. Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and Twitter. So just hit me up. Nice one, dude. And we'll put all of those links and the site URLs over on the show notes over at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show, Sher. Really appreciate it and enjoyed the chat. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries, dude. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating or review on your podcast channel or subscribe is much appreciated. And we'll catch you on the next one for more No BS, actionable web and marketing tips. Cheers for tuning in.